0: Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio. Fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave. Always broadcasting first on LP Asheville 103.7, and streaming online, WPVMFM.org. The voice of Asheville heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio out of Taos, New Mexico. Hey, thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song. Love your work, Walter, and you're a wonderful singer-songwriter. And we we do like having that theme song. WalterParks.com if you're interested in in more of Walter's music. And thank you, Devine Dial, for managing WPVM-FM. We couldn't do this without you. And we really do appreciate you holding it all together because that way we can broadcast on all these other community radio stations as well. Thank you, Devine Dial. And if you'd like to reach out to me, JamesNave.com. Nave is spelled N-A-V-E. JamesNave.com. You can email me through my website. I would love to hear from you. What are you up to wherever you are out there in this big wide world that we live in? And if you have an interest in writing and would like to join me and my collaborative partner, Allegra Houston, on a Saturday morning, anytime, every Saturday, we're on a Zoom call, the Imaginative Storm Writing Prompt of the Week, we call it. And we have a great community of people who gather there. And we would would be really happy if you would become one of our members. You can find more information about that at imaginativestorm.com, imaginativestorm.com. I hope to see you on Saturday morning. And if you've been listening to this show, you know I have many different guests on the show. Sometimes I have folks I've known for many, many, many years, good, good friends. And we just pick up a conversation right where we left off, even if we haven't seen each other for a while. And then occasionally I'll have people on the call that I have just met, just getting to know. And I'm magnetized by those folks because I want to get to know them better and love what they have to say. And I think, wow, what a great place to get to know somebody on radio. So not only do I get to know them, but you can listen as well and get to know them. And I have a guest today. Her name is is Susie Shipman. And Susie and I have gotten to know each other on some Zoom calls. She lives way out West, but she has a connection to Asheville. So we we'll, we maybe we'll talk about her connection to Asheville. So Susie lives out in Washington State and teaches Artist Way material as I teach Artist Way material, and so we connected by way of of a creativity conversation. And Susie knows a lot about creativity. She does a lot of work as an, as a creative as an artist, and she also just loves to muse on ideas. So I thought, why not invite Susie to? Be with us on Twice 5 Miles Radio. Susie, welcome to Twice 5 Miles Radio.
1: Thank you, Nave. It's an honor and a pleasure always to engage in conversation with you.
0: You (laughs) live out on the West Coast and you've been living there for quite a while. And one of the things that I loved about connecting with you was that you started out telling me about your experiences in, since this is an Asheville-based show, as well as a Taos-based show, because this show airs in Taos, and I'm a member of both of those communities, in both Asheville and Taos are very creative communities, as well as the community you live in, in Washington State. So maybe begin this musing, tell us a little bit about place where you are now, and then take us back to those early days in Asheville and and what was happening there. So I'll just open it up for you, Susie.
1: I live off the edge of the West Coast, an island between Seattle, Vancouver Island, Victoria, and Vancouver, B.C. We're in the Salish Sea. I'm off the edge, and whenever we take the ferry um, over to the mainland, we say we're going to America. I was brought here from the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina at Penland School of Crafts. I went from one place that wasn't really on the map to another place that really wasn't on the map. The communities are very similar and artistic. The mountains on the island are very rolling, like the Blue Ridge Mountains. We're just surrounded by water. So living on an island is a completely different experience than the mountains. However... It can feel as isolated. I remember in the winter at Penland, there was no coming or going off the mountain at 4,000 feet in the middle of an ice storm. We were just 25 artists living up there all winter long, and it may as well have been an island. So I feel like I was really prepared to move to an island.
0: So tell us a bit about Penland. It's a prominent artist community, not too far from Asheville. And yet I imagine a lot of folks who live in Asheville maybe have heard of it, but they don't quite know what it is. And people living in Taos, maybe they also have heard of it because Taos is a big artistic community as well. And there may mm-hmm. be some folks who live here now who spent time in, in Penland. So what what is Penland and why is that name so important to the artistic world?
1: Penland is in a beautiful place right in between Asheville and Boone, North Carolina. Penland is one of the oldest craft schools in the country. It started with weaving. A few women would get together and weave and teach each other how to weave and create in a hauler where there weren't a lot of opportunities, a fund for the first kids in that area to go to college. Penland is like an institution in the artist community because I was a core student there after I graduated from UNC Asheville with my BFA in ceramics. I was able to take one idea and translate it through all of the different studios at Penland and have teachers from all over the world. As a core student, I worked for the school in exchange for room and board and free classes, and I studied every medium there. And it helped me to understand that creativity is the same thing. The mediums are like a different language. So that's what got me really hooked on constantly trying new mediums and translating an essence, a creative essence into these languages of material that have a subtle or dramatic result that's different from the same creative seed idea. Does that make sense?
0: People talk about wanting to be creative. And of course, I've come around to thinking that creativity is something we could hardly avoid We were born creative. We make things all the time. It's just a matter of how do you approach it? How do you organize it? How do you study it? What do you do with it? And so some people who become artists and you have done art all of your life, they train in the same way that one would train to be a carpenter, a mechanic, somebody who writes code for computers. When you were drawn to this in the very beginning, did you know that you had to train that you had to study, that you had to work at this, as well as just wallow around in the sand pile and play?
1: I think that a lot of people will take one instrument, one medium, one practice, and practice it over and over and over again until they master it. What is different for me is that I am curious. I would say addicted to the beginner's mindset. What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I play with this? And so I like to learn the rules so that I can break them. That's why going to get my master's wasn't really an option because there wasn't one thing that I wanted to commit to. I wanted to commit to creativity. I wanted to commit to exploring ideas and pushing limits and boundaries. And what I loved about Penland is that I didn't have to, although most of the people around me were focusing very precisely on one medium so i was a little bit of a rebel going through all of the different mediums and what i practice is being open to curiosity and keeps me in awe
0: when you talk about curiosity how do you relate to it personally can you cultivate curiosity or does curiosity like creativity just exist as part of what allows us to survive. How does it work for you? Is it internal, external? What's going on in that arena?
1: What I can remember is I would always ask my mother, why? Why, why, why? I was one of those kids, that was <laughs> like, why, why, why? And the only thing I ever got back was because. But it didn't dampen my, my questions of why, why, why? And so I've always said that I'm just curious by nature. I think that that is a real link to a childlike mind, is just staying curious and open and knowing that you don't know, because that allows fresh things to come in, if you know that you don't know. And that, I believe, is the water that nourishes the seeds for growing new things, staying curious, keeps things fresh
0: which makes me think about curiosity from a democratic point of view just like i've been lately thinking of creativity from a democratic point of view there's plenty of it we were born with it children are curious because they have to be in order to fill up the required mind in order to survive to to move forward so when a child comes on the scene The child is taking in all the information and it's curious. The child wants to reach for the glass or reach for the kitten going by or reach for whatever is there. And then you have to maintain it, though, I think you have to have to keep it in your life. And that's really the question to me, not am I curious. The question is, how do you maintain that? What do you do with it? That subject is something that remains constant in my questioning And in the work that I do with creativity and writing and all all of the rest of it. And I keep focusing on it because so many people discount their curiosity. They discount their creativity. They think he's a curious person, but I'm not. Or she's a curious person. Or they're curious and I'm not.
1: Children are curious. Because you can't learn something unless you're curious. However, I think we're programmed to learn certain things and not other things. And curiosity is an open mind. If you're not curious, then your mind isn't open and you've decided what you know. We're taught by our families and by our school systems to actually not be curious because if we are filled with what we're told, we're easier to control. If we are looking for answers and truth, we are not as easy to control. For me, it ties into not deciding that you know, because when we decide that we know something, we close ourselves off. And creativity doesn't flow when things are closed off. That's where blocks come from. But it also keeps us from making important decisions when we're closed off. I was an EMT and I was taught one of the most important lessons was do not decide what is wrong with the person, even though you think you know based on the call. Go in there and take all of the information without deciding what it is, because your decision of what it is could bias all the information that you take in. So staying curious to take in all of the information without deciding what something is, or with a painting. You can have a vision and stay curious and follow it without deciding what it is that you see.
0: You know, your story about being an EMT and the ambulance is a terrific example of how we can allow ourselves just to take in whatever's there without having some sort of agenda, a filter. You know, in our Saturday morning imaginative Storm writing workshops or writing sessions, which you've attended a number of now, we attempt to do that. We come to the table or come to the desk or to the page with no preconceptions and then we offer an image or a sound file and people make a list and then we build out from that list which creates an ongoing curiosity.
1: We're staying curious when we are looking at an image that's given to us out of nowhere. And we're staying curious when we listen to the list that people offer. And we're staying curious when we're given 10 minutes, just like, what's going to come out? We haven't decided what it's going to be. When you're curious, there's surprises.
0: We're talking about the imaginative storm and curiosity. And one of the things that drew me to your work and the way you operate you you're deeply involved with the book the artist way written by julia cameron and i've talked a lot about the artist way on this show julia has been a guest a couple of times on this show and i've been involved in the artist way for for many years since 1995 when julia and i first did the artist way creativity camps in taos so we could hardly Avoid moving in the direction of the work that you have done with the artist, Wade, because it's something that I admire about you. You've deeply worked with this material in a way that seems to have fed you in many, many different fashions. So why would that book be such a magnetic thing for you, I mean, you're an artist. You've been at this for a long time. Obviously, you've done a lot of other things, too. You've lived a kind of a freelance life, if you will. And you still live on the island. And you still work with your wits. And you still deal with all the ebbs and flows of life, the the twists and turns that life throws at you. And yet, here you sit, still doing your your work, having these conversations with people like me. So what does the artist way bring to the table for you and for other people? I know I have a lot of opinions about that, but I'd love for the listeners to hear your opinions.
1: What's interesting is that I was given The Artist's Way right in between graduating from UNCA Asheville and the summer between graduating and going to Penland, I read The Artist's Way. I think that was 1995. And it changed my life back then. And I was doing it by myself. And I didn't realize that it seeped in deeper throughout all these years. Right before our lockdown, when the pandemic, I had been mentoring a young woman, an artist, probably the 12th young person that I've mentored on the island. And I was at this place called The Exchange. It's at the dump where people drop off things that are still useful. And I like to look and parouse the bookshelves. And there were two Artist Way books. And I thought, oh, this is perfect for this young woman. I'm going to do the artist's way with her. Next day, the exchange closed and we were all locked down. So I didn't get to do it with this young lady. But I thought, well, we're in lockdown. I went to my studio and grabbed one of the journals that I make and a really big one. I said, I'm going to start the artist's way. And I looked Online, I said, Are there any groups that are happening? And synchronicity, there was a group starting the very next day with a woman named Nora Flora, who had never done the artist way before, but she was in Berlin. And she just had the courage to start a group. And I managed to jump on just in time, even though she had filled it with 12 people. I was an extra person. She said, Oh, I think you'll be great, and added me. For the first three months of the lockdown, I dove into The Artist's Way and it became my friend because I hadn't written anything in my journals in four years, which is really rare because I had just come out of a whole lot of complex drama trauma that I didn't even want to write about. So it was the first time I had met myself on the page in four years. As soon as I did it, I was like, ah, there you are, my friend. I live by myself on the side of a mountain at the end of a dirt road on an island. And the lockdown was very isolating for myself and I know for so many. But I had this lifeline with people from all over the world, from Berlin to Ireland, England, L.A., New York City, and Spain, random strangers that all of a sudden became my closest friends in this work that we Did together. It was so profound. I once I opened my journal and started writing, I kept it open on my kitchen table and I would go to it and write, and and I found myself again after having lost myself for so many reasons. It was interesting because I didn't realize how the artist's way had stayed with me all these years until it came time at the end of each chapter checking in, and everyone was like, Wow, you really get this. I'm like, well, I read it a long time ago, but I guess I have been doing this work all along. It stayed with me co- unconsciously, always knowing that I needed to fill my well with uh, an artist date. Little things like that.
0: Of course, I agree with everything you're saying. I've been working with the Artist Way since 1995, as I said when Julia and I did the Artist Way Creativity Camps, And the principles hold steady. I would like to say, for those of you listening out there, if you haven't heard of The Artist Way, it's a book about creativity, if you haven't already gleaned that. And it was written by Julia Cameron, and Julia's written many books since then, all focused mostly on creativity, save for a, a novel or two, some poetry, some articles in magazines. Julia's a comprehensive writer, really. And The Artist Way came into the public awareness in the early 90s Susie and I both um, came into it around the middle of the 90s so the artist way is based on the idea of freeing your creativity and it has two basic principles or two basic tools the morning pages and 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 the Artist Date. Morning pages are two, three pages in the morning, written as fast as you can, as soon as you get up. And the Artist Date is something that you do for yourself once a week. You take yourself out on a date. You're the artist, you invite yourself to go to the movies or go to an art gallery or maybe to a coffee shop, someplace you haven't been before. And then the third thing that works for people in the artist Way, there's this term called synchronicity. You may have heard that. Synchronicity also might mean luck, might mean spontaneous good fortune, or happenstance. It's called synchronicity, and synchronicity happens to you when you start this work with the artist way. The good news is, synchronicity is happening all the time. Actually, what you begin to do is is to notice it. And you know, Susie, it just dawned on me that you and I were in Asheville Around the same time when we both started to work with the Artist Way, you were at U.N.C.A., and I was working in the in the community, the artistic community. That was back in the the days when we had all of the poetry going on at the Green Door on Carolina Lane, the Poetry Slam, and readings all over Asheville. So, Susie, I've kind of offered a bit of my take on why the Artist Way has value to me: Morning Pages, Artist Dates, Synchronicity. So, how about you? Why do you think the artist way is such a significant proposition?
1: The artist way, a spiritual path to higher creativity. It's a practice, it's a spiritual practice, it's a toolkit to help clear the blockages from the flow. The blockages that come with day to day life, that come with everything we think we are supposed to be doing every voice we heard and believed. It was like Julia had done all of these creative writing workshops. So she was able to devise brilliantly these tasks, exercises, and predict where people would be along their healing journey. So it's wonderful to just start off. I'm going to wake up and write three pages and meet myself there. No rules. That really invites people to get to know themselves. Just you and the page without anyone else reading it. It's a very intimate exercise and to have it be longhand with your, your hand holding a pen and feeling the ink or flow into the paper. It's very intimate to meet yourself there before you wake up really before you have any of the busyness of the day or any excuses not to. It's brilliant to have it be first thing in the morning. And a place to empty out all of the gunk that fills ourselves up. And then there's practices of identifying the things around us or the history that has kept us from being creative. So it's a practice in awareness, meeting ourselves, meeting the inner critic, the inner cheerleader. And an awareness of what it is that we value, what it is that we don't value. It gives us tools to inventory what's important to us, what isn't important to us. It gives us tools for awareness, to notice, self-awareness, tools to fill ourselves up with the things, the hopes, dreams, and wishes that we never could search for. It gives us permission to do that. You get to go on a date with yourself. What a luxury. And it's done with such kindness and compassion. It's not done in any kind of guru kind of way. It's free. Anybody has access to this tool, this book. It's just, are you ready to do it? Are you ready to meet yourself on the page? Are you ready to do what your true heart's desire is? Do you have the courage to show up? And that's why the groups are so important, because doing it together with a group is brilliant. And you know that you're not alone and like, oh, gosh, this chapter, why, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to do the, the media deprivation. And how was that for you? And, and to be able to have access to, to friends. So that's why I started really getting into it was the clusters and community. And once I did it with another, I realized that I want to share this with my friends. So that's how that started. And it ripples out. Then your friends get to know themselves. And it really just keeps up leveling how you meet the world and how you meet other people and friendships and creativity spreads.
0: You know, Susie, I really like the idea of creativity spreading and the idea of getting together in clusters and people organizing themselves and talking about creativity and engaging in it. And one of the things I like about what Julia did with The Artist Way, she looked at something that's eternal, creativity, and she was able to codify it, write about it, present it to the modern changing world in the early 90s in a way that... We understood it back then and continue to understand it now. How do we organize ourselves? How do we employ our creativity in ways that are meaningful for us? I mean, Julia didn't just start from scratch. In fact, she started her career as a journalist in Chicago, then moved to Washington, D.C., worked for the Washington Post for a while, and then ended up in New York working for the Rolling Stone magazine. I think she was the entertainment editor. And her job was to write articles about people in New York who were doing creative things. And back in the 70s, all the people who were doing creative things were in their 20s and their 30s. And they were all trying to make their way as as creative people, movies, novels, you name it, musicians, et cetera, et cetera. And they would come to her, pitch their idea, and hopefully she would write about it. And she often wrote about these people, and many of whom became household names. And in that work, she started to notice some of the dilemmas these people brought to the table. Of course, the dilemmas in the 1970s and the dilemmas today, while they may be motivated by different cultural factors, they're not that far afield. The people who came to Julia had problems with community pressure had problems with substances, maybe some alcoholism as well. All, all the things that we deal with now. And when Julia interviewed these people, she started to notice a, a narrative thread regarding how they felt blocked or what they wanted to do in order to free themselves. They were looking at how they could expand themselves creatively, not unlike what we're looking at today. And so that's how she came to generate this this material and i think it's important for people to know that julia didn't come at it from the point of view of somebody who was high on the pedestal she was working as an artistic person writing musicals writing plays writing novels writing for television writing articles working as a journalist like so many fantastic journalists are doing today Journalism is something that's really, really important, and there are a lot of young people involved in journalism doing exactly what Julia Cameron did when she was in her 20s. And maybe they're discovering things like Julia discovered, and perhaps they will write about those things and bring them into into light. So I just wanted to put that in to give people a little bit of a background about why this book has so much staying power and beyond the artist way. Julia has written over 30 books or more in the past 30 years, which really works out to be about a book a year. Of course, books on creativity, also, like I said, musicals, novels, books of poetry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And in addition to the artist way, Julia has Walking in This World and Finding Water, which really makes the artist way the first book in a trilogy that takes you from the place of finding your way to walking in the world then to arriving at a place that works for you finding water where you set up camp your oasis if you will and operate from that point of view So, Susie, I know you, in a sense, have found your oasis, which is really an island surrounded by water. And not only have you worked with the artist Way, but I believe you've also done some other work with Walking in This World. Perhaps you could reflect a bit on
1: that experience. After the artist Way, I started Walking in This World and started going for walks during this lockdown and got things moving and then... I noticed that these blocks that I had had were starting to be left behind me with every step I was taking. And I started cleaning up again my studio. I started creating a whole new body of work. And I could feel the climate. Julia couldn't have ever predicted there'd be a lockdown, but it felt like a bit of a renaissance. We're locked down. What are we going to do? <laughs> you know, And it's perfect timing to revisit the artist's way to take walks, if we could, and to do little artist dates and get creative with them and find things online and fill ourselves up with our true heart's desire and listen to one another and build bridges and to know ourselves felt like a lifeline for me during the lockdown because there's so much negativity and there's so much depression and separateness from ourselves and anything that we ever knew and people who are close to us having such different opinions. Listening to one another is more important now than ever and starting that listening path is really profound. And so I love how Julia just continues to build upon this artist's way and add to it. It's about becoming aware instead of being numb. That's, to me, what spirituality is. Coming to an awareness of your shadows, of your numbness, of your being asleep. It's about knowing yourself and being true to yourself. You know, on the top of the Temple of Delphi, the meaning of life, know thyself and to thine own self be true. It's about not doing the things unconsciously, numbing yourself. Leaving yourself, abandoning yourself. It's about finding yourself, finding your loves, finding your spark, and being curious.
0: Back to curiosity, which is where we started this (laughs) conversation. Can we ever get away from that? Spirituality implies the spirit, which is something unseen. I've never seen a spirit. I don't really know if the other dimensions exist. I assume they do. I've looked at some photographs taken from the Hubble telescope or other telescopes that allow me to see great distances into the vast infinity that we will never understand. And yet spirituality, the spirit, we can't see it. It's the unseen proposition. And in so many ways, the things that we deal with from a creative point of view are unseen as well. Curiosity is unseen. Love is unseen. And the only way we see it is by way of artifacts, our expressions, the things we create. So even the work we create is a bit of a cookie or maybe the crumb of a cookie on the path that we're on, the way, the artist way. Spirituality, the unseen activities. Most of what we do is unseen, really, when you think about it. Even this conversation we're having now about curiosity and imagination. And it's something we're conjuring up in our own imaginations. And then we're talking about it, which makes it completely delightful to me because I can imagine anything I want.
1: Keep thinking while you're talking that we are spiritual. Spiritual bodies having a human experience. And that, I think, frees us up from needing to search or have it as a destination to be spiritual. It's just what we are. And when we get all of the ideas of who we think we are out of the way, we can just remember who we are. And by meeting ourselves on the page every morning, you can only lie to yourself for so long before some truth comes out. And that's the brilliance and simplicity of this work is having the courage to meet yourself on the page each day. It might be the first page is a bunch of complaining, the second page is like why am I doing this? Can I even get through this? What time is it? Just keep going. And somehow your spirit comes through that higher self comes through that wisdom comes through. When I was young, I used to think of it as my wise old grandmother. And it's so simple. It's not easy. It's just simple. And I think that's the brilliance of this work.
0: You know, most creative work, artistic work is simple and complex at the same time. I remember a few years ago, I went with my buddy John Van Hassel to The Hague and we visited the Moritas Museum And we viewed all of these beautiful paintings by the Dutch masters, including Vermeer's Girl with the Pearl Earring. And the Girl with the Pearl Earring, famous painting, because people have probably seen the movie, seen it on a postcard, maybe even read the book about the Girl with the Pearl Earring. She's sitting at a desk, looking back over her shoulder, has her hair wrapped, pearl earring in her left ear, and she's simply just looking out. And when I looked at the painting, I thought she was looking at me. I moved to the left, moved to the right, her eyes followed me. And people who view the painting and have viewed it over the centuries all report the same experience the simple exchange of stares between two people one, a living human being, the other, an image captured on a canvas. Very simple the exchange of stares or looks. And I also like what you said about we are spiritual beings having a human body experience rather than we are human beings experiencing spirit. Because by saying we're spiritual beings having a human body experience implies something eternal. We just happen to be passing through this Form that we are inhabiting at the moment, which suggests eternal life. But it doesn't suggest that we will gain eternal life once we pass through the body. It suggests that we've never been without it.
1: It uh, gives us accessibility, a feeling of accessibility. We're able to relate to that as opposed to there's only a few c- who can have that. Or I'm not an artist. That person in, in the museum is an artist. I'm not spiritual. It's not accessible to me. So having that whole concept that we all have access to this is radical and simple. It doesn't have to be a whole bunch of fancy fabrics, layers of illusion. It can be so simple as a pearl earring that you can relate to. It can be so simple as I can't remember prompt and then you have access to everything you do remember. When you have access, you don't have blocks.
0: And when you think of the simplicity of the pearl earring, and a pearl earring is indeed rather simple. It's beautiful, it's round, one sees it on the ear. When you think about the grain of sand that started somewhere millions of years ago, it had to land in the oyster that cultivated the pearl earring that made that earring. And then when you think about how one has to find that oyster amongst the many creatures of the sea, and then once it's found the pearl extracted and then turned into this simplistic pearl earring. And when you look at the pearl earring, you're looking at the entire world, the earth right in front of you, because that's where the earring came from. That's where the pearl came from. So here we are in complexity and simplicity all the time. And how could we not be part of that? So when we discount our creativity, when we say we aren't worthy, we don't know what we're doing, we aren't this or we aren't that, I propose that we're just outright lying because none of that is true it it can't be true because we were born in the world that allows a pearl earring to come from a grain of sand
1: yeah it's about connection really because when we say we're not worthy we're not creative we're believing that we're separate from creation and the pearl was created from that sand because it needed to protect itself from that irritation from that pain so When we are able to look at our pains and shine light on that pain through the morning pages, through awareness, it creates a pearl of wisdom. We get to learn from it. We instead of asking, "Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why am I hurting so much? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that?" Start comparing ourselves to others, like the ego likes to do. When we just stop and coat that pain in light and look at it and Hold it for as long as it takes with awareness, this happening for me. That's where the pearls of wisdom come from. That's curiosity. How is this an opportunity for me? How is this happening for me instead of why me? Why is this happening to me? No pearl really is going to look alike. And when you string them all on the same necklace, it becomes really valuable.
0: I love that you're suggesting that we are all grains of sand and that the pain or the irritation is what builds the beautiful pearl. And when we remember that, the roughage, the the edges, the, the hard stuff, that's what makes the beautiful pearl. And pearls are, are everywhere when you start to think about that. They're not rare anymore, but they are still beautiful. And yet each pearl is rare.
1: Here in the Pacific Northwest, we have a lot of oysters and I have found several pearls in the oysters, uh, that tender, beautiful, raw oysters. It slides down your throat and all of a sudden you're like chewing and something hard hits your teeth. And like, I know exactly what it is that I just found a pearl. And, and I've saved them all. little symbol of lessons that I've had that are surprises. It is all about a practice of paying attention, attentiveness. That's what I like about it. Because I think with pain, we want to tune out. We want to numb out. Whether it's alcohol or drugs or social media or whatever it is, there's so many ways to numb out from our pain. And what I think spirituality is, is having the courage to feel it and heal it and when we do that we heal the whole because we're not separate
0: and as we move up toward the top of our hour the work you do artistically now in addition to working with the artist way what are some of the things that you have on the plate
1: well I started making Handbound leather sketchbooks and journals, after I got my BFA in ceramics, it was the very last class that I took and Lens School of Crafts. That's like my job. Lately, I've been doing these linoleum prints from encounters that I have through my artist dates or through paying attention. And my intention is to, to feel good making them so that people can feel good giving them. I teach young adults how to make their own journals so that it becomes something that's not scary. And Also, hoping to continue to share the Artist's Way workshops so that, in a small way, help people around me to know themselves and be true to themselves and and to enjoy their creativity. Because I think that's what the world needs most now.
0: If people would like to reach out to you, do you have ways that they could do that?
1: Uh, My website, islandboundbooks.com. That's islandboundbooks. That's where I have my sketchbooks and journals and all of my contact information.
0: So Susie, thank you ever so much for spending this time with us on Twice Five Miles radio. I really appreciate you you coming to us from from beyond the shores of America
1: <laughs> off the edge. <laughs> yeah, It's always a pleasure to talk with you, Nave, thank you for this opportunity.
0: And maybe we'll do it again sometime soon.
1: Sounds great. Anytime.
0: And there you go, my friends, a conversation with Susie Shipman. She's an artist, as you know, living on an island off the coast of Washington State. And I got a big kick when Susie said, when we go to the... Mainland, we say we're going to America. When Susie described leaving the island, she lives on to go to the mainland as going to America. It reminded me that so often in communities, people have phrases that describe leaving their village, their community, and going somewhere else. Sometimes not too far away, and then sometimes a great distance away. In Taos, for many years, there was a blinking light that hung at the intersection that marked the northern departure point from from Taos, from the Taos area. And people always referred to that as the blinking light intersection. And everybody knew it was that last one where you turn right to go up into the Taos Ski Valley. And as you might imagine, the intersection was a rather busy intersection. So about 15 years ago, the county decided to put a proper series of lights at the intersection to control the traffic right hand turn left hand turn etc etc and they did just that they took the blinking light down that poor singular blinking light and put it somewhere nobody really knows where it is rumors have it somebody stole it and they have it hanging in the their back room oh could that be true i don't know but the point is the blinking light no longer hangs above the intersection The name remains, however, and people still often will refer to that intersection as the blinking light intersection. And I have heard people say more than once when they're talking about how long they've stayed in town, they'll say, Well, you know, I haven't been above the blinking light in two years, which means I haven't left town in two years which is a bit of a reverse from Susie's, I'm going to America, meaning she's going to the mainland, or people in my part of the country, Western North Carolina saying, I'm going over the mountain. Those simple phrases are really rather poetic when you think about it. Poetry is simple. Another thing Susie and I talked about in this conversation, simplicity. I'm going over the mountain. Uh, I haven't been above the blinking light. I'm going to America. It's very simple and yet it's also very complex because those phrases are describing so much more than simply saying, I'd like to go somewhere or I haven't been somewhere in a long time. I believe those phrases, simple as they are, which really is why I like poetry and the poetics of things because simplicity and poetry actually go together. Those phrases are describing the urgencies that we all have to explore, to look about, to find something new. It's just part of what makes us tick. From a poetic point of view, I often like to refer to the poem written by Alfred Lord Tennyson, Ulysses, and in that poem. Ulysses, sitting on the island that he's returned to, sitting on the rocks, looking out at the shore, talking about being a part of all that he's met, and musing on what it would be like to get back in the boat and go off and sail again to somewhere beyond where he's sitting at that moment. He says, for my purpose holds to sail beyond the sunset and the baths of all the western stars until I die. So I know Ulysses is being a little more poetic, or Tennyson's being a little more classically poetic, when he says, I want to sail beyond the sunset and the baths of all the western stars until I die. Ulysses is not sitting on the rock saying, well, shoot, I want to go above the blinking light, or I'm going to America, or let's go over the mountain. But in a sense, he is saying that. He's describing it in Tennyson's poetic words and yet the simple i'm going over the mountain i want to go above the blinking light i'm going to america say exactly the same thing i have to offer a bit of a disclaimer here if you've listened to this show in the past you know i often refer to ulysses by tennyson because that's the poem My mother quoted to me when I was young. She quoted Ulysses changing the pronoun from I to you, saying, you are a part of all that you have met. Yet all experience is an arch, where through gleams that untraveled world whose margin fades forever and forever as you move. So now that you've heard my disclaimer, you are not surprised I suppose to hear me repeat that phrase over and over again. It's a it's a worthy phrase to repeat because we are indeed a part of all that we have met, small and large. So no matter how far I move or you move or where we go or what we do, we're still becoming part of all that we encounter. Walt Whitman also said something in a poem that he wrote, he opened the poem, there was a child went forth every day and the first object he looked upon and received with wonder or pity or love or dread that object he became and that object became part of him for the day or a certain part of the day or for many years or stretching cycles of years and of course the idea of stretching cycles of years implies all of the places we can go, implies that we are a part of all that we have met. How how could we not be? And following that idea of being a part of all that I have met, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have my conversation with Susie. I discovered getting to know her in some of the Zoom calls around the subject of the Artist Way, that Susie had taken the time over the pandemic months to dive deeply into that topic the artist way dive deeply into creativity and of course if you think about the title of the artist way it neatly ties into the notion of going over the mountain or above the blinking light or to america in the sense that you are choosing a way to travel So by choosing to do something artistic, the artist in you chooses a direction to go, Uh, again, a way to travel. And so that's why I love the title, The Artist Way, because it implies one must choose something to do and then just simply go out there and do it. I had an opportunity yesterday to travel around Taos a little bit, some new friends came to town and I was introduced to them by way of another friend of mine. You know how those things go. Friends introduce each other and then they become friends. And so on our tour around Taos, we naturally talked about artistic things because Taos tends to be rather artistic. And we started at the Farmhouse Cafe, talked for a couple of hours there about creative destiny and what to do and how to know what to do. And in the conversation, they asked me if I would recommend a few places. And I thought, well, why, why recommend something when I can actually take them myself? So I thought, we'll go to the Mabel Dodge Lujan House. And one of the reasons I wanted to go to the Mabel Dodge Luhan House is because that's where Julia Cameron and I first taught the Artist Way Creativity Camps back in 1995. Mabel Dodge came to Taos in the early 1900s and established basically a rather vital art colony surrounding her house, the Mabel Dodge Luhan House. And so we went down to the Mabel Dodge Lujan House after our good breakfast at the Farmhouse Cafe, he and I walked around with the folks. There was a workshop going on there, so we couldn't go in, but we could look at the pictures on the on the windows ab- above the roof painted by D.H. Lawrence. So it was a really beautiful fall afternoon, and we wandered around talking about why do art. And then I thought, let's drop by Kevin Cannon's house. Kevin lives just about maybe 50 yards away from the Mabel Dodge Luhan house and I've known Kevin for years if you live in Taos you may know Kevin as well and you know that Kevin sculpts beautiful pieces of art from leather and he takes maybe a year to build a leather table so Kevin's been doing this for ages and ages so we dropped by his place. And he was outside working on a wooden bridge. And of course, Kevin's always glad to see me and other friends as well. And so he dropped what he was doing and just picked up a conversation. And in that conversation, Kevin was talking about how he made his art. And he kept returning to the idea of focusing on one thing. I just focus on this one piece. And when I drop in, I drop in with in the relationship with that one piece and I stay with it and stay with it and stay with it until something emerges. And of course Kevin was talking about what Susie and I were talking about. Simplicity and complexity all rolled up into one. So when you hold Kevin's work, which he encourages everyone to do, you can feel the simplicity of the leather while at the same time within that simplicity you clearly see the complexity involved in putting the object together. Focus, simplicity, complexity are some of the many ingredients you will always find in Kevin's work. Funny enough, Susie told us, she makes beautiful leather notebooks for people to write their dreams and hopes in. So here we are, back to leather, both with Kevin and with Susie. And of course the Artist Way is factored into much of this work. Funny enough, when I first came to Taos, Julia, Cameron, and I, as I said, did the Artist Way Creativity Camp at the Mabel Dodge Lujan House. And guess what? Julia and Kevin were friends. And guess what? When we were hosting the camp there at the Mabel Dodge Luhan House, we walked that short distance from the Mabel Dodge Luhan House over to Kevin's and he allowed the people in 1995 to hold his art just like he allowed us to hold his art yesterday and just like Susie allows people to hold her art when they come to visit her on the island. They come from America to the island to hold Susie's art. So the artistic journey is really available for anyone who would like to, to take it the artist way. Which way will you walk? Will you go over the mountain? Will you go above the blinking light? Will you leave the island and go to America? You've probably done all three of those at some time in your life and you'll probably do them more as your life goes on. And on that note, we have gone on until the top of the hour. So it's now time to say goodbye, and I'd like to just say thank you ever so much for tuning in to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always broadcasting first on WPVM LP Asheville 103.7, and streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville heard all over the world, and on other community radio stations like KCEI, Culture energy radio out of taos new mexico i'd like to thank walter parks for our theme song thank you walter parks walterparks.com if you'd like to learn more about walter's music if you'd like to reach out to me jamesnave.com nave is spelled n-a-v-e you can always email me through that site and if you'd like to join me and my creative collaborator allegra houston on saturday morning we always do this little fun thing called the imaginative storm writing prompt of the week we gather for an hour on zoom and we write we usually have between 18 and 20 people We write for 10 minutes and then read our work. Pretty simple. Think of it as a Saturday morning open mic, and it's open to everybody who wants to come. If you'd like to join us, imaginativestorm.com. That's how you can do it. And of course, thank you, Davine Dial, for all the good work you do managing WPVM-FM. We couldn't broadcast these shows without you, so hats off to Davine Dial. And finally, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And I do hope you tune in again. Next time, and until then, I will catch you on that turnaround somewhere down the line.